0: Hey everybody, it's Joe from the Movie Planet podcast. I usually produce all the shows here, and this show is from 2018. Now, this is when I was still experimenting with our soundboard and trying to figure out how to get rid of some of the ambient noise that was happening. So, there are a lot of problems with the sound on this episode, and I apologize for that. Obviously, you can tell when the newer episodes have come out, and when the when it's an older episode. Uh, we are almost towards the end of all of our older episodes. We still got all the evil debts to do, but this is. Pulling Poltergeist. We hope you enjoy it, but again, please excuse us for the sound issues, especially during the when the awards get it right, when the sound just starts to cut out completely and you miss some of the music stuff that's happening in the background. Other than that, hey, enjoy Poltergeist. Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 4, Episode 19. This week we're talking about Poltergeist from 1982. With Joe.
1: I think we we'll spend the night downstairs. Oh, no. Wrong.
0: And Sam.
1: It's a very wise old tree. Looks at me. It knows I live
0: here. I'm your host, Joe, and with me today is the Freeling family to my beast, Sam. How are you, Sam? I'm good. Hanging in there today. Hanging in there. It was a late night, wasn't it? Very late night. <laughs> not by choice. No, no, no. It was more like the man told you to stay. Oh, the man. Yes. Well, this week I have, no- I have nominated 1982's Poltergeist. I want to say I have because I know Sam would not uh, for the Pantheon of Horror Movies. We'll get into that later. I just never saw the movie before. Well, Okay, there you go. The Horror Movie Pantheon is comprised of seven and only seven films. Currently, the seven with their average grades are as such. Jaws with a perfect score of an A. The Exorcist with a perfect score of an A, It Chapter 1 from 2017 with a B B+, The Cabin in the Woods in 4th with a B B+, The Ring from 2002 with a B, and Mother with a C+, coming in at number 6. The higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it down on its ass from the Pantheon of the future. Uh, so uh, we will discuss the movie, and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if we need to boot a movie out. This is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen Poltergeist, uh, revisit your youth, or or just revisit my youth. It's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, and then turn us back on to enjoy the discussion and analysis. But now that we've handled that business, let's get to our movie of the week. Well, this week we were talking about 1982's Poltergeist, a rated PG movie. <laughs> Now let's be clear: PG thirteen did not exist in 1982, but this was one of the key reasons towards the PG thirteen rating coming to be. Uh, it was either PG or and it was originally given an R rating. It's Spielberg. Good reason. Spielberg went in there and you know waved his dick around, and they were like, "Okay, okay, okay, PG." Uh, this is directed by Toby Hooper. It was written by Steven Spielberg, uh, Marty Gra- Michael Graz, and Mark Victor. It was produced by Spielberg and Frank Marshall. Uh, so you have some, you know, heavy hitters in the production room. Uh, the movie was made for $10.7 million and it brought in $74.7 million at the domestic box office in 1982. Now, according to Box Office Mojo, adjusted for inflation, that's $239.1 million today. And approximately 26 million tickets sold. So this was a popular movie uh, because it reached every audience, I think. Like, everybody no, could I go see so. this. Yeah. Hey, bring your 10-year-old. PG. <laughs> it's yeah, all right. What's the worst that could happen? Just some bad dreams.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Just nightmares for the rest of your childhood.
0: Starring Coach, I mean, Craig T. Nelson as Stephen Freeling. Joe Beth Williams as Diane Freeling. Dominique Dunn as Dana. Where the hell is she in this movie, Freeling? Uh, Oliver Robbins as Robbie. Heather O'Rourke as Carol Ann. Beatrice Strait as Dr. Lesh. Richard Lawson as Ryan. Martin Casella as Marty. James Karen as Mr. Teague. Michael McManus as Ben Tuttle. And Zelda Rubenstein as Tangina, or Tangina, <laughs> Barons. the greatest option if you need to exercise a house.
2: <laughs> I, just, I just thought of something. What's that? Where the hell did Dana
0: go? Exactly. <laughs> there are so many subtle jokes about Dana in this that if you don't watch it if you watch it two or three times you will miss it. You need to watch it like five or six. There's a there's a part in this where they're like, "Oh, where are they staying?" Oh, at the holiday inn on the road. And Dana goes, oh, "I know where that is." And it just glossed over. What? <laughs> yeah. There are so many things that she says where she's like the, the daughter that's just like on the wrong route. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's gone for where is she? Well, she do she, the parents was she even, even care in the last <laughs> Was she in the last scene when they're walking through the hotel? Uh, yeah, she's with them in the final scene because Holy she shit. comes back. And when she comes back at the very end, that's right before the house goes up and they jump in the station wagon. I don't remember seeing her? Oh my gosh. Well, I've got I've got a theory behind it with it with the whole theme of okay. family being together and all that stuff. Okay. But anyway, little making of the movie here. Let me cue a little music. Don't get on the set. Get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. Okay, claws in his contract with Universal Studios prevented Steven Spielberg from directing any other film while preparing ET, which also came out at the same time. Time and Newsweek tagged the summer of 1982 the Spielberg summer. Because E.T. and Poltergeist were released a week apart in June. (laughs) Dude, he was raking it in. Yeah. As such a marketable name, some began to question Spielberg's role during production. Suggestions that Spielberg had greater directorial influence than the credits suggested were aided by his comments. Quote, Toby isn't... A take charge sort of guy. If a question was asked and an answer wasn't immediately forthcoming, I'd jump in and say what we could do. Toby would nod agreement, and that became the process of collaboration. This sounds a lot like Return of the Jedi and Paul Marquand doing the movie, <laughs> but it's actually George, it's George Lucas. Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Directors Guild of America opened an investigation into the question of whether or not Hooper's official credit was being denigrated by statements Spielberg had made, oh my God. apparently claiming authorship. Co-producer Frank Marshall told the Los Angeles Times that the creative force of the movie was Steven. Toby was the director and was on the set every day. But Steven did the design for every storyboard and he was on the set every day except for three days when he was in Hawaii with George Lucas. Uh, however, Hooper stated that he, quote, did fully half of the storyboards. Hooper sitting there just going, I'm a part of this, I I'm swear. Swanous.
2: I did stuff. I did things. I promise.
0: And if you watch this movie, you can pretty much figure out what parts are Hooper and which parts are Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter printed an open letter from Spielberg to Hooper in the week of the film's release. So he says... Regrettably, some of the press has misunderstood the rather unique creative relationship which you and I shared throughout the making of Poltergeist. I enjoyed your openness in allowing me a wide berth for creative involvement. Just as I know you were happy with the freedom you had to direct Poltergeist so wonderfully. Through the screenplay, you accepted a vision of this very intense movie from the start. And as the director, you delivered the goods. You performed responsibly and professionally throughout, and I wish you great success on your next project. Is this him saying, I'm sorry E.T. came out before you?
2: (laughs) Well, you know, I took this as, Steven's not such a bag. He's not bad. He's not bad at all. That's actually, like, really cool of him.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't see that today. Oh, God, no. But it also does something else, and it moves Steven Spielberg out of the limelight of Poltergeist in case it doesn't do good. Because he just released E.T. That was his direction. This one, they say, basically, he directed this thing, but now he's saying, this is Toby's movie. Toby's, not mine, this is Toby's. I'm E.T., was he insulating himself? <laughs> Who knows? Well, according to Blumhouse Productions' website, Poltergeist assistant cinematographer John R. Leonetti reported that Spielberg directed the film more so than Hooper. Uh, we're not going to get into that because we all know the effects there. But anyway, let's talk about effects. Special effects. Poltergeist was awarded with the BAFTA Award for Best Special Effects and was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. Losing to Spielberg's E.T. See, when you're only on the... If you're only on the set for all but three days, you're going to lose to 100% of the time. Still, I could get, I could watch more of some guy peeling off his face. <laughs> <laughs> or a steak just crawling across the, the counter. Oh, it's good. <laughs> or that big-ass puppet that was in the doorway the blocking giant it. white skeletal <laughs> thing. Yeah. You, you put more money into this thing, I bet that's even scarier. I mean, shit, for 1982, it looked damn good. Oh, yeah. It doesn't look bad now. It just looks hokey now. This looks like 1982. It looks like 1982. Okay. The music for Poltergeist was written by veteran composer Jerry Goldsmith. He wrote several times for the score during the lullaby, including the lullaby, Carol Ann's theme, to represent blissful suburban life and the young female protagonist. An elegant semi-religious melody for dealings of the souls caught between worlds and several dissonant atonal blasts during moments of terror. And unfortunately, Goldsmith lost to John Williams for (laughs) E.T.
2: Should have had more catcalling of underage daughters.
0: Poltergeist. The tagline should have been... We're not (laughs) (laughs) E.T. There is an alternate version of the Carol Ann theme that was played at the beginning of this show, which has lyrics. Thank God we never heard them. I'm sure it'd be a lot like the Superman theme for Lois, where that actually had lyrics. Did you ever hear that? No. Oh, my God. It's awful. Poltergeist, we're coming to scare you. (laughs)
2: Poltergeist,
0: Poltergeist, the musical. we're going to (laughs) haunt you. Okay, so we're going to get into the uh, nitty-gritty here. Do you remember the first time you saw this, and what were your initial feelings after seeing it? Sam, what would you think? Uh, I remember like it was yesterday. Oh, really? When was it? Because it was.
2: <laughs> no, I started, um, I watched it yesterday morning. Hmm. Um, Three cups of coffee. Oof. And uh, no, it was just great, sitting on the couch. um, Kind of like a Saturday morning, like as a kid. Okay.
0: Up, Had up your underoos couch, on. And- and exactly. Sounds beautiful. Exactly. It was great. What a scene! Yeah,
2: um, I thought it was good. I just unfortunately, and we'll, we'll get into this yeah. later. But this is a nostalgia piece, and I have no nostalgia of it.
0: And that is a very interesting perspective. So, and a completely honest one. Also, you're not bullshitting here. Yeah. This no, is, no. No.
2: No. No. Um, you're I, not going to be like. Oh, it's so good. God damn <laughs> it! I hate that so much. <laughs> there it is. 1355. No, this movie is very enjoyable. I just wish, like, as a kid, this w- this movie would have been, like, 10 times better. Okay. It just doesn't hold up to 26-year-old Sam.
0: Fair. And I've got something to say about that also, which is, it bolsters your point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, I was at a fourth grade sleepover <laughs> at my friend Jim Barnes' house. Funny thing about him, he's a writer in Hollywood. He worked on Gotham. He worked on Timeless, Falling Skies, Revolution, uh, and Nikita. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he rented... That night at our sleepover, Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Poltergeist. um, Poltergeist scared the hell out of me. I didn't sleep at all that night. Everyone fell asleep, and I played on his Nintendo all night, and this is the first time he's hearing about it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what happened in my fourth grade sleepover? What?
2: Nightmare on Elm Street, New Nightmare. (laughs) My brother was in second grade. Wow. Did he see it? Yes. Oh, geez. Way to
0: traumatize the child.
2: I didn't do it. Who rented it? It was. Uh, you can't say it was your dad. No, 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 no. We were <laughs> uh, we were staying like
0: Gatlinburg or something.
2: A bit of a drive, and we mm. stayed at some family friend, and their son was 17 at the time. <laughs> and we were just hanging out with him. Yeah. And he popped it in because he's 17. He doesn't know. 17. Any he didn't give a shit. Yeah. Like oh, I'm gonna scar these kids for life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my brother and I did not sleep for days. Yeah. Because Friday's going to get you in your dream.
0: Yeah. And then skin you alive. Tends to do that. Uh, Time for a summary. What is your summary of this movie in 10 words or less? Sam?
2: 1982's Manifest Destiny. (laughs) Or or Americans doing to Indians what Americans do best.
0: Funny you should say that. Native Americans are never mentioned once. I thought it was was an Indian burial ground. Is that Pet cemetery? maybe it's not this movie everybody associates the indian burial ground to this movie but they never say that they say it's just a cemetery that's it but since this movie what happened was poltergeist 2 had a very prominent native american star in it and people associated him because he was so good in it with this movie and it became the indian burial ground
2: it already i mean i guess
0: so yeah, I mean it's funny because uh, that's our pop culture consciousness right now.
2: Well, uh, so this is on Wikipedia. Why every horror film is built on Indian burial ground? They aren't. <laughs> the seven horror movies that feature Indian burial grounds. Poltergeist is one of them. It's not though.
0: It's it's just on a. It's just on. It's on a public cemetery.
2: You only move the headstones. Yeah. You only move the
0: headstones. I had no idea that Indian burial grounds had a whole bunch of headstones hanging around. They didn't. Man, Wikipedia is full of Indian burial grounds like five
2: times. <laughs> <laughs> it, it even says, lifts Indian chief. He, when a, Okay, it even says this. When he takes an Indian chief's skull, a poltergeist invades the griffin's home what movie is this, is this? A Wikipedia for you wait what poltergeist movie is it 2015 or 1982 okay the headline is poltergeist 1982 and then it zooms down to poltergeist 2006 family guy episode Aha! <laughs> okay on to- okay well I never watched the movie and I always heard Indian Marrowground ground anytime anybody described this movie so it already jumped to my brain okay well, don't build houses on <laughs> cemetery <graves> blocks <laughs> and make pools of dead people.
0: Uh, that's one of the best twists in this movie is, though, is that when they're like, oh, we're to build right here. What are you going to do with the body? So oh, we'll just, you know, move them over. And then they find out, well, you're already living on one. Wait, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, here we go. With synopsis. We've been trying to hold ourselves together as a family. Of course, no one's been sleeping much. Stephen has missed so much work. But he's been wonderful, really wonderful. How long have you been investigating haunted houses? Well, Mrs. Freeling, uh, Diane. Diane, the determination as to whether your home is haunted is, is not very easy. I, what I meant to say was it might very well be a poltergeist intrusion instead of a classic haunting.
2: There's a difference. Did you see that?
1: There'll be two more in a couple of seconds. They always travel in pairs. Dr. Casey! (laughs) Got to be quicker than that around here.
2: It's electrical. You can can smell the charge.
1: You were saying about poltergeists? Poltergeists are usually associated with an individual. Hauntings seem to be connected with an area.
2: A house, usually. Poltergeist disturbances are a fairly short duration, perhaps a couple of months. Hauntings can go on for years.
1: Are you telling me that all of this could just suddenly end at any time? Yes, it could. Unless it's a haunting. But hauntings don't usually revolve around living people. Then we don't have much time, Dr. Lush, because my daughter is alive somewhere inside this house.
0: In the suburban housing development of Cuesta Verde, California... Hey, wait, 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 wait. What's your summary? Oh, my, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, never build houses on cemeteries without moving the bodies first. <laughs> Good note. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Check, check housing development
2: history. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, always ask, did anything happen in this home? <laughs>
2: <laughs> if home history is <laughs> deleted... Are you counting out the words? Run.
0: <laughs> Get the Carfax. Okay. House facts. <laughs> um, Stephen Freeling is a successful real estate agent who works for a firm headed up by Teague, a developer. Steve lives in one of the Quest of Verde homes with his wife, Diane, and their three children, teenage Dana, and preteen youngsters Robbie and Carol Ann. Strange events begin to occur when Carol Ann begins sleepwalking and carries on a seemingly one-sided conversation with a TV set that's turned on but has no signal. Before we go into this, this movie already starts off with something that is outdated. The national anthem anthem, being played on TV after hours and static on a TV. You will not see that anywhere anymore.
2: Number one, I'm... I guess I'm too young for um, the national anthem. Yeah, I never witnessed that. That is, I, I remember it it. it. it freaked me out. I was like, "This is really total totalitarian."
0: Oh no! It was just that. That's what was. It was be, at the end of every single um, broadcast on the mass on the major networks. It would play the national? The anthem. last show that would play would be followed with the national anthem and then static until like six in the morning. Oh, I remember Static.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I remember falling asleep to, like, my favorite shows and then waking up. Psh-
0: but it's a cool st- start because it says this is an American family. This is America right here. Suburban America. This is you. Yeah. Okay, so.
2: Shit, I didn't even need to see this movie, and Static scared the shit out of me.
0: Oh, it's not fun. Yeah. Well, we've seen Static in horror movies today, and it never follows with good things.
2: E- but even as a kid, I never saw anything with Static before. Oh, like, okay. I remember that just like just freaking me out.
0: I think my brother has a noise can a a, a noise canceler at night or a noise maker at night to sleep oh, to yeah, white noise. and his is white noise. Oh then I saw white noise and then it, like that's really there you out. go yeah Michael Keaton right? Do we have another movie to watch? No. No? Unless you, unless you want to nominate it. Oh man. You can nominate it. I enjoyed it but I don't know if I want to nominate it. <laughs> with your with your ad. with my reaction <laughs> <laughs> it's Thank been a long time since I've seen it. So maybe feel, I just have a different view. Make of it. me feel stupid. <laughs> I got nothing right now.
2: How is anybody supposed to know that? I don't know. <laughs> Do
0: not be fooled, that was not me.
2: No, Boba Fett's iconic
0: Yes, he is. <laughs> okay. Uh, later, <clears throat> I mean, soon thereafter, her pet bird dies, and the family conducts a small burial service, <laughs> which is...
2: I love that scene.
0: This is great, because I love Robbie and the tree going, can we dig it up? <laughs> but it—it it, it, this is... I remember this moment when I was a kid. We, I had a pet bird. It died. My brother was in the tree. The first thing my mom said was, don't worry, Joey. He's in heaven. And my brother pointing down from the cherry tree going, no, he's not. He's in the dirt. Dig him up. Uh,
2: oh, yeah, I like your brother already. He's a cool
0: cat. Later that night, Carol Ann awakens again and talks to the television. By the way, you'll notice this thing starts off with a burial service. They're burying a body in the yard. Oh, uh, How about that? I just noticed yeah. that, actually. Yeah. I just had an aha moment. Joining the party. Mm. God, nice. Uh, as the family wakes up, I'm sorry. Later that night, Carol Ann awakens again and talks to the television. And the family walks in is going going, what is she doing? Uh, while a spectral manifestation erupts from the television screen and enters the walls, causing an earthquake that only the Freelings feel. As the family wakes up, Carol Ann mysteriously announces.
2: They're here.
0: In a very manly voice.
2: <laughs> I'm sick. I just can't.
0: They're here.
2: Yeah, there you go.
0: Which I became, I believe, the tagline for every poster for *Bouldergeist*, and I think it is in the top hundred most quotable lines of a movie ever. They're here. Mm. That along with this house is clean, which I know I have said at least 10 times a year. This house is clean. <laughs> and you have to say it like her, too. Uh- <laughs> oh, she's so annoying. Oh, she's great. No, she's not. The next morning, glasses inexplicably break at breakfast and forks bend by themselves. I love Robbie sitting there eating, <laughs> going to the fork like, what the uh, hell is this? <laughs> do not bend the spoon. <laughs> When Diane asks Carolann who she meant when she said "they're here," she answers, "The TV people." At first, the ghosts play harmless tricks and amuse the mother, including moving and stacking the kitchen table chairs. I don't think she was amused by that. She was
2: not amused by that, but I love that they were having fun with the sliding floor.
0: <laughs> that was great. They're like, watch her go! Watch her go! Put her on the X. Yes. <laughs> uh, Diane and Carolann discover an area in the kitchen where supernatural in- curling. We're an Unseen Force.
2: <laughs> they even have a little circle where it stops.
0: So the poltergeists are Canadian. <laughs> an Unseen Force will pull anything, including people, across the floor. Of course, Diane must convince Steve that night by showing him. He then announces that nobody's going to the kitchen until I know what's happening. <laughs> Which, can we just talk about the parents in this They are such hippy-dippy parents in a yuppie suburbia. (laughs) They're smoking pot at night. During a terrible thunderstorm, a gnarled tree outside the kid's bedroom window suddenly comes to life and grabs Robbie. Now, what I love about this is this is how I learned how to time thunderstorms. Oh yeah! When you hear the thunder, you count, and if it gets, if the space in between each thunderclap gets longer, it's moving away. If it gets shorter, it's moving closer, and that's how I learned how to do it. This movie. So every time there's a thunderstorm, I'm always counting now. One, two, three.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it was some cartoon I saw as a kid, like one of those um, after school ends or act like after your class ends, and mm-hmm. there's like there's just enough time. To watch like an episode or something, yeah, that's what it was from. Okay, it was just like flooding through my head. Oh, it's like you can count how like per second is like per, per mile.
0: <laughs> the tree crashes through the window. grabs
2: the evil dead
0: grabs Robbie and starts to eat Robbie, which first of all, the tree outside the window isn't so much a tree, it looks like a dead piece of wood. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty gnarly. It's lacking leaves.
2: What? Oh, I just said it's pretty gnarly. Dude. Said gnarled tree. Oh,
0: oh sorry. Uh, hey. Joel did the same thing the other night. He was like, hey, the force of something. I was like, we were talking about Star Wars. He's going to say, get it? Force. Huh? <laughs> uh, however, this tree destruction is merely a distraction used by the ghosts to get Carol Ann's parents to leave her alone. Using a force like a wind tunnel, they take Carol Ann through her bedroom closet into their dimension. Steve rescues Robbie, and the family believes that a tornado caused the trouble. Until they realize that they can't find Carol Ann. They search the entire house, including the pit, for the new swimming pool, until Robbie hears Carol Ann through the TV. And this kid is freaking out (laughs) justifiably, (laughs) but... I love it. You see their silhouette of the mom and the son sitting there. You go, Carolyn! And you see the TV in the background and they both turn their heads towards it. And you're just like, what What the hell happened here? Shortly after. By the way, Dana is nowhere to be found at this point. She must be sleeping over somebody's house. (laughs) Like the construction workers, they see her and they're like, hey, baby. Hey, what's up, baby?
2: Yeah. Macarena and then, wha.
0: That's the last time we see her. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's probably- <laughs> These parents really just don't care. They're- now, granted, they're being distracted by their two younger ones. Yeah, well, Maybe she's going go to she's sleep being, over. Yeah,
2: well, Dana's being distracted by three workers.
0: Yeah. Uh, Steve meets with a small group of parapsychologists from UC Irvine, stating that, quote, we just want you to find our little girl. <laughs> Dr. Lesh, Ryan, and Marty are awestruck by the manifestations they witness. And now we know where uh, movies like The Conjuring got their ghost whisperers from. Yeah, uh, It was this right here. You have an older woman and two younger people working under her. You see this trope in almost every haunting movie today. Insidious. Even The, the, the Conjuring movies, Conjuring. It's, it's the couple, but essentially
2: what um, you got. Paranormal activity.
0: Uh, no, that's not in there. Don't they bring somebody in? Well, they bring an older gentleman in who's a, who's a demonologist. Well, they've still brought somebody in. It's so good. <laughs> I, I know you
2: hate that movie, but I love it. Paranormal? Yeah. Oh, no, it scared the shit out of me. Okay, well,
0: I'm a big PA fan, so maybe we'll do that franchise at some point. Oh, oh yes. Oh, why are you going to make me do that? Oh, because oh. the other ones are underratedly good.
2: Oh, they're good, I know. I just don't want to go through that shit.
0: The only one I hate is PA2 because there was too much waiting around. Oh, interesting. I thought PA2 was scary as hell. Oh, well, that's why we should do this and stop whispering into the mic. No,
2: I just (laughs) don't want to do it. It's scary.
0: (laughs) Okay, Uh, he opens the door. Steve shows them the things that they've never seen before seen. He opens the door to the children's room to reveal toys and other objects flying around by themselves and disembodied laughing voices reverberating throughout the room. Previously, Ryan described a matchbox car taking seven hours to move seven feet, calling it fantastic. (laughs) And I love it. They're walking to the door. He goes, well, we once saw this. He goes, well... Wait till you see this. He opens the door, and it's like a tsunami of toys yes. flying around. Oh my gosh! It's such a cool effect, and I love the the, the action toy running up and you know, and it just oh, kind yeah, of scampers no, the Hulk, off. The Hulk and um, Wonder he's riding on, the horse, something, right? Yeah,
2: and then the lamp that just like slides in, turns on. Yeah.
0: Uh, of course, this would never register on the naked eye. After they see the Freeling's house, they are all very humbled. <laughs> And it's kind of funny because you get a point, you get you get an idea that they've been living with this for maybe a week or two before yeah, they got just, there. They're just used to it. And they're so like
2: exhausted. Dead to
0: exhaustion with it. <laughs> and everybody else is kind of freaking out for the first time. They're just kind of like, guys, don't worry. This is normal. This is what we're used to. Yeah. Uh Over coffee and a coffee urn that moves by itself. The parapsychologist explained to the Freelings the difference between a poltergeist and a haunting. They determined that indeed it is a poltergeist they are experiencing. This is important because nobody knew what a poltergeist was before this movie. It was never mentioned in the American zeitgeist. It's just, they had named it poltergeist. It's a scary sounding word, but they had to have this moment to differentiate from a haunting. But in the end of this movie, one, we don't know what the manifestation is. And two, we still don't know if this is a haunting or not. They're just thinking it's a poltergeist. Yeah. Uh, The group witnesses several paranormal episodes where they hear Carol Ann talking to Diane through the TV, see spirits and hear the pounding footsteps of some terrible force, which subsequently injures Marty. Marty also suffers a terrifying hallucination where he seems to tear off his own face. Can we talk about this please? (laughs) When you first saw this last yesterday, what did you think when you saw this scene?
2: This movie's not PG. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I, honestly, I was just laughing. Um, I was like, oh my God, Steven Spielberg, this was his idea. <laughs> awesome. It's like, this is like a face melting off mm-hmm. of Indiana Jones, but times 10.
0: Well, most people think that this is a Toby Hooper scene, but uh. those hands are Steven Spielberg's hands. Yeah. He's Wait. the one. Yeah. Ha. He went on set. He goes, "This <laughs> because they <laughs> had to have the dummy there. Yeah. And he was like, the only way this is going to work is if we have somebody behind it doing it. And they got like several actors to try it out. He goes, this isn't working here, Toby use my hands. And so it's Steven Spielberg's hands that are grabbing the face off of him. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is. It's a fantastic scene that calls back to evil dead. That's an Evil Dead-like scene. Oh, for sure. How? T- and, but here's the thing. I think Evil Dead was 83, wasn't it? I thought
2: it was 79. Um, Evil Dead,
0: 1981. 81. So this is a year after Evil Dead. So this is Spielberg and Toby Hooper saying, we're going to take what Evil Dead did and show you what we do on a budget, on a better budget. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks good. And with good. a PG rating. It looks good. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. No, if I, if I saw this as a kid... I would have been like freaking
0: out today. That's CGI.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Or be- much better special effects. You get Greg Nicotero in there to do this. It's probably look fantastic, Walking Dead style. Oh. <laughs> God. Uh. By the way, Greg Nicotero. Nicotero worked on Army of Darkness. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> um. Let's see. The parapsychologists para-psycho- uh, leave, with the exception of Ryan, admitting they need more help. <laughs> Shaken and overwhelmed, Dana leaves to stay with her friends. Okay, now she's leaving. She, she's going to stay with her friends. We don't, they don't care who. She's gone. she's gone. By the way, why not send Robbie? Oh, they do. They send Robbie to his grandmother's house for his safety. But he's coming back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, He'll be back. Yeah. Later that day, Steve has a conversation with his boss Teague about a new housing project going up. They talk about how Steve's company has built over cemeteries in the past, even where the Freelings live now. Whenever and I love farm it, farm is a bitch, ain't it? You didn't move the bodies; <laughs> you just moved the headstones. Whenever the company needed land to build on or expand housing communities, they just moved the cemeteries, coffins, headstones, and all. They didn't move the coffins, did they? In this nope. for their development.
2: I don't even think they had coffins. The bodies were just floating in the pool.
0: Cuz I get the idea that they did that they started the 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 neighborhood that he lives in now was the first one I'm guessing. And then after that they're like we need to move all the bodies after this because he does say in it we move everything except for the prime development. Let's see. Teague shows Steve a new housing development the company is building not far from where their Freelings live. As the two walk by a hillside cemetery, Teague tells Steve that he can have a new house right in that spot with a large bay window overlooking the valley. Steve remarks that the house can't simply be built over a cemetery, and Teague tells Steve that the company has moved whole cemeteries before the coffins were dug up and moved, along with their headstones, to new locations nearby. Teague then reveals that much of Cuesta Verde was built on the location of one of these relocated cemeteries, and Steve seems quite astonished at the news saying that's that's sacrilegious. He needs exhausted telling him that he looks like he hasn't taken a shower in weeks which I don't know how I'd feel about taking a shower in this house. Hell no. Uh, when the parapsychologists return, they bring a spiritual medium with them because they're out of options, <laughs> and they bring the smallest woman ever on screen, Tangina Behrens, a tiny woman who uses her psychic sensitivity to ascertain facts about the disturbances, and I love that immediately Craig T. Nelson, Steve, who has seen all sorts of weird shit, can't buy into this, <laughs> and he's like, I didn't answer her. She didn't, she didn't hear me. <laughs> and she calls from the top of the stairs. I did. I don't like being tested. And you're like, she's for real. I know you are not a fan of Tangina when she first shows up in the scene. What were your first impressions when you saw her? This bitch is annoying. Oh, that's not It's only F bombs I do. Oh, yeah.
2: okay. All right. Free reign. Yeah, it's only okay. F bombs. Um, no. I've never liked this woman's no. voice. It's just I don't know Nails I don't, on a talkboard, do you? Yeah, exactly. I just find her so annoying. There's not much else to say. Okay, I, I personally, I thought that you know, like I haven't seen this movie before, so yeah. I thought, oh, this is the part where the ghosts like are really pissed off now, mm-hmm. and they weren't. No, so I was like, oh, it's almost I'm like so bored right now. It's
0: almost like they. I'll be honest,
2: I was very bored this entire movie.
0: Let's. It, it's. I, well, I'll talk about that later as to why. Yeah. For me, when I first saw her, the first thing I thought was, damn, she's small. <laughs> and then I understood why. Bitch, in the Return of the Jedi as an Ewok. <laughs> I understood why as I grew up, and that was, you need someone so diminutive, so tiny, to be the thing that they, the ghosts stop for. Like, it's a good, she it's clearly a good has balance. a presence. She clearly has a presence, and they don't know what the hell it is, because she's just this tiny thing walking around their fabulous. house. Yes, this fabulous southern lady. <laughs> Uh, but I do like the fact that they're like out of options They're like, bring this kook in and it works. <laughs> I,
2: I want to make a callback to like other horror movies, but I can't because this is what set the president, but you can, can because it
0: could have other this, this movies could have started improved the bar, but this, but here's the thing. It started the bar, but if other movies improved it, what movies improved it? I mean, the conjuring. Yeah. That's an improving of this. It's literally the dad, like this is horseshit. Mm-hmm
2: okay, whatever, if you think this is going to work, go for it.
0: Yeah, in 82, this works. In 2018, it wouldn't, because we've seen so many other better versions of that. In iterations of it, that I get people who want to give credit to what this movie was. It's the godfather of this whole idea, but that doesn't mean it's better. It just means it was the inception of it. Uh, There is a difference. People hold that stuff in high regards. Like, oh, you can't, you can't say that this is better than. Yes, you can. You can. You can. It is. It's been improved. It's done. Yeah. Um. So we go on here. Uh, Tangina tells them that Carolyn is alive and in this house. According to Tangina, the spirits haunting the home have left this life, but have not gone into the spectral light. Light. They are are stuck in between dimensions, watching their loved ones grow up, but feeling alone, causing them to feel lonely and even angry. A premise I can buy into. A nightmare that they can never awake from. Yes. Sounds horrible. What? That sounds horrible. The actual living through it, or?
2: Oh, no. Being stuck in a dimension, watching loved ones grow up. Dying, feeling alone, causing him to feel lonely and angry. Yeah, that'd be awful. Yeah, it's... And here's the thing. Especially as Indians.
0: Not Native Americans in this movie, okay? (laughs) Uh, Only... Okay, Carol Ann was born in the house and has strongest connection to it. Only five years old, she gives off her own life force that is as bright as the light. It distracts and confuses the spirits who think Carol Ann is their salvation. Hence, they have taken her. Which, when you put all that on the table, you get it. Oh, yeah. No, you get Exe- it.
2: execution is great. Yeah.
0: However, Tangina uh, also warns everyone that a malevolent spirit also exists in the next dimension. It likes, the, it likes that the spirits are confused and lost and uses Carol Ann as a distraction so they cannot move on into the light. Tangina says, quote, It lies to her and tells her things only a child can understand. To her, it is simply another child. To us, it is the, the beast. Devil. They realize the entrance to the other dimension is to the children's bedroom closet. Ugh. Because if they're going to creep out a child more, it's what's it's in the closet. What's in their closet? <laughs> <laughs> Think of every fear a child has. This movie says we're throwing them all in. <laughs> Stuff under the bed, in the closet, mm-hmm. that damn puppet in the corner. All you're missing is a basement. Yeah. Which, well, we get that swimming pool. Swimming pool goes below the house. Then
2: maybe. No, I was going to say maybe like all the torn same- down buildings or like. I don't know. I don't know either. Snuck on a construction site once and it was kind of weird. I'm I'm pulling things out of my ass right now.
0: I know you are. By tying a rope around a live person who can enter and presumably exit the other side with enough time to grab Carol Ann, they could bring her back. Tangina intends to be the one to go into the light, but Diane insists, saying that Carol Ann will only come to her mother. With the rope around her waist, Diane goes into the portal and Tangina coaxes the agonized spirits away from Carol Ann to the real light. While Tangina is in her trance-like state telling the lost spirits to cross over into the light, Steve panics and pulls on the rope, meeting the beast face-to-face. And this, I give you it. <laughs> yep. Uh, Diane falls through the living room, ceiling clutching Carol Ann and bearing new streaks of gray hair, presumably from fright. Both Diane and Carol Ann are also co- covered in ectoplasm. Ghostbusters! Mm-hmm. After Steve revives both of them in the upstairs bathtub, Tangina pronounces that this house, house is, is clean, clean, but it's not. <laughs> uh, when I, when I grew up and I watched this part, I didn't like it because I didn't understand how can you go into something you don't know the way out of. And then I understood it after several viewings afterwards, what it was all about. Mm. And you need the mother because this is about family and her closest connection is the mother. Yeah. Uh, she wouldn't know who Tangina is if she walked in. She'd be like, Well, you're creepy looking too. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I do like the, the, the back and forth they have, which is, you know, Tangina going, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. She goes, I'm going to go. And she goes, Yeah, you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like the fact that they test it out first. In new movies, they wouldn't test it out, they oh, would just no, jump in. Test it. They throw the tennis balls in and they pop out. And the guy at the bounce going, Damn, that worked. <laughs> 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 but today's audiences would not wait for that. They'd be like, no, no just jump just in, jump do in. it, come Let's out. Do this. Unfortunately, though the spirits have seemingly moved on, the beast hasn't and wants revenge. They're packing up the house. They're getting out of there. Nobody knows where Dana is still. <laughs> no no by one's by thought in. to get her. And we've never seen Robbie return. Yeah, no. He's just there now. Uh, So that means that they went to basically call grandma up and say, hey, bring Robbie back. We're moving. Hey, it's safe. But they didn't call Dana's friends to call her over. (laughs) Maybe they couldn't get a hold of her because she wasn't at her friends. She was hooking up in a Holiday Inn. (laughs) On their final night in the house, Steve leaves Diane alone with the children so he can go and talk to Teague, who presumably is trying to get Steve to reconsider leaving. While Robbie and Carol Ann are getting ready for bed, Robbie's clown doll comes to life and pulls him under the bed. I hate,
2: you, I hate you. I hate
0: you. Oh, my God. And I love this scene so much just because I never had a clown doll. But I remember seeing this at Jim's house and going, I, 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 don't, I don't like clowns. <laughs> I, I don't like them. And many have said that this movie is what started the fear of clowns. Uh, because I'm trying to think of a movie before this that had clowns in it that was frightening, and I can't think of one. So yeah, it pulls him under the bed. Diane, relaxing in the master bedroom, hears her son's screaming voice. It came
2: out three years after this movie.
0: Yeah, but not before. No. Yeah, so Diane, relaxing in the master bedroom, hears her son's screaming voice and tries to investigate, but is pulled against the wall and ceiling by an unseen force. Do you think this is where uh, uh, Wes Craven got his Nightmare on Elm Street scene from? I was about to make that. Oh, yeah, you were okay. <laughs>
2: yeah no because that that scene has stuck with me skin the cat yep that's uh that's stuck with me to this
0: day oh okay (laughs) uh when let's see robbie manages to rip the clown doll to pieces but a strange mouth-like portal that looks like a vagina appears in carol ann's closet and attempts to suck the children in Diane tries to get her son and daughter, but runs into the beast itself in the form of a snarling skeletal demon. It blocks Carol Ann's and Robbie's door and lunges at her, causing her to fall down the stairs without a helmet. Diane runs to the backyard to seek help from her next door neighbors, leaving the kids upstairs, uh, but slips into the freshly dug swimming pool. A rainstorm has filled it with rain and mud. And as Diane tries to escape, coffins begin erupting from the earth, releasing skeletal corpses into the pool. Fun fact about this. Those are real skeletons. Spielberg. What? Got real skeletons for this scene. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Yeah. How is that legal? It's 1982. Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, yeah. Real skeletons there. And also the shot of her running down the hallway. The zoom lens shot. Yeah. Looks awesome. Oh
2: my God. Hold on. I want to just look at these real skeletons one more time.
0: Her neighbors hear the commotion and arrive to help Diane out of the pool, but they refuse to enter the house with its windows now blazing with ghostly energy. Diane runs back into the house alone to get Robbie and Carol Ann. She finds Carol Ann and Robbie barely able to fight the energy that tries to suck them into the portal. You're seeing it right now, aren't you?
2: Yeah. Those are (laughs) like, there's no way they like did makeup on those things. (laughs) They literally just got bodies. Apparently
0: Joe Beth Williams was not happy about that.
2: Well, no shit.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, it, which kind of makes you wonder, because I believe Raiders of the Lost Ark happened after this, right? Was Raiders a Spielberg produced movie? That was directed. They, I thought Lucas directed Raiders. Oh yeah, um, Lucas. Um... But they were both producers on it, weren't they? Yes. So Raiders, there's a scene where is it in Raiders of the Lost Ark where the the woman gets you know, surrounded by the skeletons. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a 1981
2: American action adventure film directed by Steven Spielberg.
0: Okay. So did he use real skeletons in that movie also? <laughs> Hold on. So Raiders on of it. The Lost Ark. Here we go. She finds Carol Ann and Robbie barely able to fight the energy that tries to suck them into the portal. They dangle from their bed frames, hanging on only by their hands while their feet sway toward the closet door. Diane manages to pull them to safety and they run from the house. Coffins and bodies begin exploding out of the ground throughout the house. Steve pulls up in his car with Teague as a passenger, and they both see the dead bodies erupting from the ground. Steve recalls the earlier conversation he had with Teague, where Teague revealed that Quest Verity was built over the site of a relocated cemetery. It is now obvious that Teague never really relocated the cemetery. He simply built the housing development over top of the graves after moving only the headstones. Realizing this truth, Steve rebukes him in anger. Hey, look who showed up. Dana arrives in her boyfriend's car and is hysterical over what is happening to the house. She wasn't at a friend's house. (laughs) The Freelings get into Steve's station wagon and they drive off. The beast grows so angry that the house implodes through the portal into the other dimension as stunned neighbors, including Teague, look on the weary family checks into a hotel for the night and not wishing to tempt fate. Steve pushes the television set outside the room.
2: (laughs) I honestly thought he was going to throw the wind, like through the window and that would have made it too much of a comedy, but
0: yeah. And that's the end of the movie. According to the good people at rotten tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 88%. That's 49 fresh reviews and seven rotten. The critics on average gave this film a 7.2 out of 10. Uh, I think it's fair it's it's not fair it's it's fair around there
2: above fair for me but
0: okay uh the audience score which is the average rating the audience gave this film is a 3.4 out of 5 with 78 percent agreeing it's a three or higher the 3.4 out of 5 what is that it's a 6.8 out of 10 very fair around there did the awards get it right well let me play a little music here for this well Well at the Academy Awards, unfortunately it was a gump since E.T., and E. T. won everything that Poltergeist was up for. So not the Academy Awards. At the Golden Globes, it got nothing. <laughs> and at but then we got the Saturn Awards. The this is our the science fiction, fantasy, and horror films. They know what they're talking about. Mm, yep. Uh it was nominated for Best Actress with Joe Beth Williams. Uh some woman named Sandal Bergman from Conan the Barbarian won. Looking her up right now. Alright. Uh I thought Joe Beth Williams was really good in this movie as a mother going hysterical Very. in fact my favorite scene with her is when she's walking by the room with the laundry and she just opens it a crack and you just watch her just drop to the floor out of fear I thought that was such a cool shot of where they were at mentally in this film Sandal is a babe uh, what? oh she's hot <sighs> okay um, the next movie was nominated for was best director um, oh my lord yeah
2: There's reasons Conan is great.
0: You know what? She looks like someone that could be cast in Norseman. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Best director, Nicholas Meyer won for Star Trek (laughs) 2. Hell yeah. Which I got a feeling that if. And and funny thing, Steven Spielberg was nominated and Toby Hooper was nominated for Poltergeist.
2: And Blade Runner were up against
0: that. Good lord. Yeah, for best director, that's a rogue's gallery of greatness in 82. Damn, I don't agree with that. You, you don't. You don't think Star Trek Two should have won? It's the best Star Trek. <laughs> it's the best Star Trek. But damn, you got some heavy hitters in this. Yeah. Uh, best horror film, Poltergeist won, but you had a problem with this because it beat out another favorite of yours, The Thing. The Thing. What do you think? Do you think they got it right, or do you think The Thing should have won based on where we're at now? Which one has has lasted longer? Do you think? Oh, The Thing. To me. Oh, see, that's I think because I never days. watched Poltergeist. Okay. But you'd heard enough references to Poltergeist.
2: No. Really? No. Oh! I've only met like three other people who've actually watched this movie.
0: Poltergeist? Yeah. All your friends are your age, though. That makes sense.
2: Yeah. I get it.
0: But they watch The Thing. The new one or the old one? The old one. It's a classic. It's...
2: No, they're both they're both great no, you, and you, classics. You make a right. good
0: point though. You make a good point. The thing translates better today because there's no technology in it really. This movie has technology that's all outdated. And it's harder to get audiences. And it still holds but it still holds up as scary. The problem with the but the thing the thing doesn't have any follow up. The thing movies. was a thing. The thing doesn't have any follow up movies. The it po- doesn't need it. It has a prequel with Mary Elizabeth Winstead, which is great. Uh, but the Poltergeist movie, I think, what killed this movie overall in the consciousness of people as it went on, was it had two, one one arguably okay sequel and a third one which was just god awful. I mean, and because of like, that, it was deteriorating nonstop like through the. Sub- Friday the
2: Thirteenth and Halloween and exactly Hellraiser, Hellraiser. That's the perfect example. Has mm-hmm. one great movie and then the rest are like. Mm, I'll probably never watch these ever again
0: yeah uh, best makeup went to Poltergeist uh, it beat out any of those that you can see that beat out Conan Barbarian Forbidden World Star Trek 2 House Where Evil Dwells yeah best
2: music best hair would go to uh, Wrath of Khan yes
0: best chest plate <laughs> best chest Conan uh, chest best chest Conan Barbarian. It won best music. Or no, no, I'm sorry. John Williams won best music for E.T. It's John Williams. Yeah. Poltergeist, John, Jerry Goldsmith. Well, it must have come in second place. It's the only other one I can think of that's memorable. Uh, best supporting actress went to Zelda Rubenstein. Uh, Tangina, she beat out e, uh, Elliot's mom in E.T. Not a very
2: notable performance. It's a great performance, but nothing by the mom I, or by by the mom. Okay, but I also
0: can't stand Zelda, so anything would have been better than that. <laughs> so that's it. And from now on, with these movies, we're going to be doing the Saturn Awards with them. You that's know, great. just because they at least give awards, they due. I mean, the Academy—they think Get Out's a horror film, so that's yeah, funny. It's a thriller. Uh, okay, now in the year 2018, what do you think after watching this film, Sam? All right. I will give
2: it credit where credit is due. This movie is super well thought out. From writing to storyboard to execution, it's great. Yeah. It works. It's awesome. It takes me back to the 80s in a family. Every Like, everything's family. Um, Very American family, kind of mm-hmm. suburbia kind of thing. PG, my... Ass.
0: <laughs> Are you saying that this should have been G or R? Um, by 82 like, standards.
2: Uh, by 82 standards, I mean, this is definitely rated R. If you think that Evil Dead was rated X,
0: <laughs> this should have been an R. This should have been an R. <laughs> um,
2: no, I just, I really like, I wish my uh, dad had showed me this movie yeah.
0: when I was a kid. It's, it's a movie that, as I've shown it to people,
2: Uh because unfortunately the only horror movies that like I was interested in was like actually rated R.
0: And I'll say this, I've shown this to people uh around your age at least four or five times, and each one of them has actually said, I wish I had seen this when I was a kid. Yeah. Because you see it and you go, This is something that I would have been frightened of if I was nine or ten.
2: Like I would have loved this movie as a kid. This is like my little into horror movies.
0: Yes. And we've talked about several of those actually, movies that are good introductions two horror films. Uh, And I like what you're about to say later with, uh, with the audience. You're, you're, you're exactly (laughs) right. (laughs) Uh, Okay. For me, I I still love this film. Uh, (laughs) I, I, not all the special effects hold up, but it is still very smart in its spookiness. Uh, All right. On to our next segment titled top three, bottom three. This is where we pick our top three things. We love or scenes that we like in this movie. And then we choose three things that make us want to scream our heads off. Let's start with the top three, Sam. What are your top three things you want to highlight in this movie? All right. Um, clearly
2: set the standard for a lot of ghost movies. Mm-hmm. And, um, the face ripping scene was awesome. <laughs> um, I did not think, like, you know, I, I saw it was rated PG. I was like, okay, how bad can it be? And they just totally went with it. And it was awesome. In fact, that it's Steven Spielberg's hands. That's even better. Yeah. Um, they used real skeletons. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Groovy. that's. That's that's now my number one. <laughs> is that they they actually got away with that? Yeah, you wouldn't see um, that today. The original was the walk of exhaustion from after the house being engulfed. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just it's almost funny.
0: It really is because you you've lived with them through this entire thing, and you're like, I would be so tired, tired. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I yeah, imagine they haven't slept in weeks. Oh no. Uh, how can you? Yeah. Uh, my number three is the scene where the chairs get stacked. Uh, it is so smooth how fast they do it because it's a one shot. It's, She's looking at the chairs. It go. The p- camera pans over. She's still working on the dishes, and the camera. She it follows her back, and the st- chairs are all stacked. And every time I sit there, going, "How the hell did they do I didn't that?" Even notice that. And apparently, it came in in pieces. They, they had three people run in there in pieces and put it up like yep. it was a Jenga puzzle, and then they ran out. And that's the only way they could do it. That's awesome. The movie
2: magic. In that's, that's, that's movie magic. That. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh my number 2 is the scene where mom is walking down the hall and wants to check on the room that was once her daughter's room. The sound that comes from that room when she opens it just a crack is so startling <laughs> every time and even better she slams a door and she goes from straight face to just shaking uncontrollably because that's just where she's at in this film. And I it's it, it's a scene where I'm like if you could bottle this movie into one shot, that's it right there. What could make a mother drop to the floor that quickly? And more importantly, why wouldn't she go into that room to find her daughter? What has gotten to that point where she will not even go within the room? Well,
2: she wouldn't,
0: yeah. uh, and finally, number one, dad throwing the TV. Out at the very end, I, every time I laugh when I see it, that TV, just rolled out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just left <laughed> outside.
0: <laughs> he rolls it out and then he looks at it one last time and then he goes inside. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah I won. No. Daddy's home. <laughs> 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 All right, on to the bottom three. It's time to vent. Sam, go for it.
2: Alrighty, this movie's not scary. Um, unfortunately, I am just <laughs> way too jaded way too far gone. Or you've um, just seen
0: way you've seen I've no
2: seen many- I've seen this these exact scares and startling chilling scenes way too many times mm-hmm. and done way better. Yeah. But, you know, like I throw back up to the uh top 3 it's at the standards for a lot of things, but it doesn't hold up. Yeah. Um number 2, Tangina I can't stand that actress. <laughs> she just bothers me. Just something about her bugs me. Nothing against her personally. My opinion. No, no. Hey, Joel hates Hayden Christensen's face. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's wrong. <laughs> um, Number one, this movie is just boring. Which surprised um, me. I just, I could not wait for this movie to be over, to be honest. And move on with my day.
0: Well, I, listen, you I can't argue with an opinion, so you thought it. You thought it was boring. Uh, my number three. Steve has seen all this stuff happen in his house. That's completely unexplainable. But when Tangina arrives, all of a sudden that's the line he can't cross (laughs) bullshit. Okay. At that point you accept help from the Smurfs. If they show up. (laughs) Okay. Uh, My number two is what the hell is with the older daughter, Dana? Well salute. Talk about not giving her any story whatsoever. She's just there to show up and then go away. Um, and my number one, the peeling off the face scene looks really bad by today's standards of special effects. Um, that being said, you said know, something. I didn't know faces were so like jello chunky. Yeah, that being said, you mentioned something earlier, which was um, you had seen all of the scary moments in this done better in different films. And i got to, I have to put it as an honorable mention. you're exactly right I've seen all these I've seen so many scary movies now that this one seems tame by comparison.
2: I mean just throwing back to Evil Dead two thousand and thirteen carving her face off
0: with a piece of mirror exactly. and the funny thing is as as i was as you were saying that, my first thought was, have you ever seen them all in the same movie though what? <laughs> Have you ever seen all those little better moments in one movie though? No, they took pieces of it. Oh, yeah. And this, that's why this is like the, the godfather of these haunting movies of the modern age. But you're right. Every single moment in this movie has been done ad nauseum better in pieces in different places. Um, okay. Who's the audience for this movie, Sam?
2: Joel, <laughs> I'm looking to you.
0: And why Joel?
2: <laughs> because he is not well versed in the world of horror films um this audience this this movie's audience is when a kid wants to watch a scary movie but he's not allowed to watch the evil dead mm-hmm. or he's not allowed to watch all the super super scary movies or like my kid one day says, "Hey, I want to watch a scary movie. This is probably the movie I'm going to go to." Yeah. I yeah, I'm not gonna show him Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm not gonna show him you know, Halloween. I might show him.
0: It's pretty tame. It's pretty tame.
2: Yeah, but as far as this, is like a, this is you know family friendly movie night, popcorn, soda on the couch. Let's watch a scary movie tonight.
0: Could we say that this movie is in the same vein as a Gremlins and a Krampus? And that you could bring the family around to watch something that is scary. I haven't watched
2: Krampus since it, like, it was in theaters, but was it pretty tame?
0: I remember, I remember laughing. Well, that tells you something. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would say it's in the same vein as Gremlins. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, for me, people who've wondered what a horror movie would look like if Steven Spielberg directed it, because let's be honest, he, his fingerprints are all over this movie. Um, every time that there is a funny bit in it, it's a Spielbergian hit. Uh, anything that is serious at the moment, that's your Toby Hooper. Okay, uh, now we've got three ways of uh, talking about this movie. we got the critical way, we got our scare factor, and we got our fan factor. So, critically, Sam, movie report card, A being a superior rating, B being, that's above average, C being average, D being below average, and F being a total failure, C, mother, in the horror feature film genre. Give us a grade and some comments that defend your grade. Sam, what are you giving this? I'm
2: going to give this, Well, you you ruined it with mother being a C. Because
0: I was going to give it a C. You can give it a C. Yeah, but it's better than mother. Well, you're the one that greeted mother better. I gave it a D minus. You gave mother an A minus. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Don't blame me for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I did.
2: I also didn't see mother as it was intended. I saw mother in a different light. Right. Um, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to give it a C. Give it a C. It's
0: average. Yeah, okay.
2: By now, by today's standards um definitely above give it a B minus because it is above average as far as horror movies with a story, with characters, with character development, except the saluty daughter um, B minus is very fair
0: and remember the final grade we give this is an aggregate of both of ours, so if you yeah. give it a C, you know I'm going to go higher anyway yeah. uh, a B minus yeah, okay, it's above average uh for me. Uh, my little synopsis my essay if you will because it's essay time for joey um <laughs> this movie is a family friendly horror film yep. and in that way it is one of the best it's not the best horror film but it's definitely above average first this movie is smart in its location of an everyday american suburb this lifts the veil of safety in these communities to the thought of even here nobody is safe You meet your family, your typical nuclear family, two parents, three kids, a dog. It's just like your family. The social dynamics are the same, too. And just when you have your guard down, the beast steals Carol Ann. Son of a gun! Now, mom and dad have lost their daughter to their house, and they can't leave because no parent would leave the house if their daughter was trapped there. Yet they are psychologically tortured every minute they stay. And some people have claimed that, well, why don't they just leave the house? Their daughter's there. You don't leave the the house. My favorite scene in this movie is what I talked about earlier, the Mrs. Freely walking by the door. Uh, it's not the shock of the sound that gets me. It's how quickly she drops to the floor, exhausted and at her wit's end. Her house is her prison, and there is no escape. Um, the message of this movie is families are strongest when they are together. This movie takes a trope in scary movies of splitting everyone apart and does it in a way where you don't even notice it until Carol Ann is gone. I love that they bring in experts in the paranormal, and even they don't know what the heck is happening. But there's something very subtle that happens that brings the overall message home. This family isn't truly out of the woods until Dana returns back home, and they all get in the station wagon. That is when the family is fully intact again, and that's when the scares end. There's only two other movies I can think of that pull off the same level of haunting as Poltergeist. The Amityville Horror and The Conjuring. Amityville is more serious and has more family dynamics. The Conjuring is frightening to most people who see it. Poltergeist is somewhere in between. It's a pretty perfect scary movie and is a classic in every sense of the genre. So the grade I'm given this is nicked by the special effects being dated and the main plot device, the static television, not being relatable to today's audiences. It has turned this film into a period piece. And when viewed in that way, it actually makes up for the lack of scares because you view it as what was scary then, mm. as opposed to challenging the fears of people today. However, everything else around the effects, the story, the acting, the technical specs like lighting and the sound effects make you forget about them pretty quick. In my eyes, this is a must-see, but it hasn't aged as well as the Exorcist or Jaws. So I'm giving this a B+. Yeah. Now, I know earlier, you saw my A on there, or your, yeah. yeah yeah. and I, I put that up there because that's my initial thing before I watch the movie is I put my, my initial reaction right away, just, oh. just, to, see, just to give myself a, a bar as to which is it above or below. Uh, so I'm giving this a B plus, which puts this movie at a straight B. Okay, and now our fan rating. let's get our critics hats off. Critics' hats off. Do you love this movie? Do you like this movie? Or none of the above? Sam? I'm in a weird spot. Where I, you know I like the
2: movie. Yeah. But I'm never going to watch it again by choice. How about this?
0: When you were finished, were you sitting there going, I want to watch it again? Were you saying to yourself, it was pretty good? Was or saying, Thank were you saying, God this is it's over. over? Okay, so forget it. Or none of the above. Okay, none of the above. Yeah. I'm going to love this movie. I love this movie. I, could wa- I watch the movie every year uh, just because I like what it does with... The way it makes me feel watching it, I'm transported back to Jim Barnes's couch hmm. and that awesome night of me and the Nintendo uh, and how I, I remember I was so scared to get off the couch and ask the parents, can I go somewhere else? Because I can't watch this. This is freaking me out. That's how scary it was to me. And I didn't have a clown in my room. I didn't have an unsafe house or anything. I, I lived in a house in the middle of suburbia. And that's what scared me at the end when I look back. So I'm going to love this movie. Uh, But yeah, so there you go. Well, that's all we got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we begin our look at the Evil Dead franchise, starting with 1981's The Evil Dead for the horror film pantheon. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook and Twitter and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They're included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Thank you for listening and happy movie watching.